So I, so I just get back from Poland and I'm meeting with all these pastors about church revitalization. You know, every church has a constitution, right? And so constitutions, and sometimes they have to be updated and changed. And so I'm talking to all these pastors about this. And there's one pastor in the room, and this is Europe. And just straight as can be, he says, um, yeah, our, our constitution is um, four to 500 years old. I thought, you might be needing an update, don't you think? Think about a church having a constitution that's older than this nation. That's what some of those churches over there are dealing with. So just, just amazing things. Anyway, one thing that stood out. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you're going to build your church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Help us to be people founded on your word understanding your word, holding to your word with, with a love and a courageous tenacity. And Lord, we just thank you for John Bunyan. We thank you for this man who went to jail for 12 years for his faith. And Lord God, who, who wrote this, this epic um, allegory of the Christian life. And we just thank you for the scripture that is behind it. And we ask for your blessing even tonight. Uh, as we study your word and, and we, we remember what it means to follow you. And we pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. Well, her name was Amanda Eller. Anybody know this story? 35 years old, physical therapist and yoga instructor. Wednesday, May 8th, this past month, she parked her car at a forest reserve, went for a nice little three-mile hike. She ended up going off the path to rest just getting a rest off the path. And uh, when she started back, she got turned around and she got lost. Three days later, she was still lost. Things got worse. She fell down a 20-foot cliff, fractured her leg, tore her meniscus. That's in her knee. Day four, things got worse. She lost both of her shoes in a flash flood found herself crawling on the forest floor, covering herself with ferns and leaves at night to stay warm, some nights sleeping in the mud, spent one night in the den of a wild boar. She ate wild strawberries, guavas, plants, and moths to survive. Day 17, she's still alive. The Makawao Forest Reserve on the north side of Maui is where she is. So Hawaii's not always paradise, people, (laughs) okay? She was found alive, 20 pounds underweight, but still alive. She was only four miles from her car. She was spotted in a deep ravine in a creek bed between two waterfalls where she was trapped and unable to get out. Thank God for three men and her parents who hired this rescue helicopter who spotted her. Chris Burquist, Javier uh, Centalopas, and Troy Helmer. Two of the three had military as well as survival training. Without help, she would have never been found. Without help, she would have never made it out alive. Help makes all the difference in the world. And that's exactly what Christian in the story Pilgrim's Progress found out. Help was there and help was a person. Christian, as you know, has fled from the uh, city of destruction. He's making his way to the city of what? The city of the celestial city. Okay, Uh, pliable and obstinate come out to turn him back to the city of destruction. Obstinate in a rage goes back. Pliable stays with him. And two, two Wednesdays ago, we learned about Pliable. Pliable got all excited. Pliable listens to the message. Pliable hears the word of God. And Pliable responds and decides to go to the celestial city along with Christian. 
Both of them fall into the slough of despond. Pliable manages to get out. He gets up and he takes off. It's too hard being a Christian. I'm not going to follow God. I'm not going to follow God's word. This isn't what I signed up for. Then he proves because of those actions that he was never truly a Christian. And we studied a passage about the four soils. Rocky soil, thorny soil, roadside soil, and good soil. Only one of those soils are true believers. And we realize that pliable is rocky soil. Rocky soil is the kind of soil that receives the news with joy and and they respond and then they turn away in time and they don't follow the path of life anymore. Well, Christian is still in this slough of despond when we left this, this book, this chapter. And he's sinking under this burden of his sin that he's carrying everywhere. And so we pick up the story reading John Bunyan's account in his own words. And so I want to read this to you. Wherefore, Christian was left to tumble in the slough of despond alone. But still he endeavored to struggle to the side of the slough that was still further from his own house and next to the wicked gate. The which he did, he could not get out because of the burden that was upon his back. But I beheld in my dream that a man came to him whose name was Help. What's his name? Help. And he asked him what he did there. Sir, said Christian, I I was bid to go this way by a man named Evangelist who directed me also to yonder gate that I might escape the wrath to come. And as I was going thither, I fell in here. Help said to him, but why did you not look for the steps? Christian said, fear followed me so hard that I fled the next way and fell in. Then said he, give me thine hand. And so he gave him his hand and he drew him up out and he set him upon his, the sound ground and bid him go his way. The, the slough of despond, two things we're going to look at tonight. Number one is this, people are desperate for help. People are desperate for help. They are lost, they are struggling, they are burdened, and they are alone. And that's exactly where Christian is. And we need to remember something. Christian is not yet a Christian. He's just a Christian in name. He still has the burden of sin. It's not been removed yet. So he's not a true believer yet. And he's alone in this world and he's alone in the sickness of his sin and he's alone trapped in the slough of despond and he's alone like a sheep without a shepherd. Isaiah 53, 6. All of us like sheep have what? Gone astray. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And that's where Christian is and that's where we've been. Okay, and, and, and he's fallen into his, this slough of despond and there's been times in your life and my life and before I came to faith, I was in a slough of despond. Anybody else here in a slough of despond? Okay, we've all been there and I've been running trails just since I've been home and they're just algae infested water everywhere in the trails and I went running the other day with my friend Josh. He fell right in, boom. And I did not offer a hand now that I think about it. <laughs> what a help I was. He was able to get out, but anyway. So, so, This man, Christian, is alone. And I want you to understand something. He's alone and he's been abandoned by his friend. Pliable doesn't help him up. Pliable leaves him. Pliable is happy one minute and then gone the next. The world is very good at abandoning people seeking out God. This world is very good. Worldly friends, 
will leave us oftentimes when we seek the things of God. Aren't you glad Jesus never abandoned you? Aren't you glad Jesus is a friend to sinners? Even Jesus' enemies recognize this about our Lord. Matthew eleven nineteen, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Even his enemies recognize that about Jesus, that he's a friend to sinners. The hymn written by Johnson Oatman in 1895, you know it. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else can heal all our soul's diseases. No, not one. No, not one. The fourth stanza really stands out. Did ever saint find his friend forsake him? No, not one. No, not one. Has Jesus ever forsaken you? No. And then, or sinner find that he would not take him? No, not one. No, not one. Every single person that comes to Jesus, he will in no wise, what? Cast out. Just ask the woman caught in adultery. As she stands in front of all these people circling around her, all of them picking up stones ready to kill her. And Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus rescues people and Jesus releases people. This man is struggling. He's in the slough of despond like a quicksand and he's making no progress because he can't get out on his own. And you may say, well, why did Pliable get out? Pliable doesn't recognize his sin. He's not burdened down with his sin. This man is being drawn to the Lord. And I like the fact that he's heading to the bank, not closest to his home. He's in the slough and he's trying to get out, but he's heading toward the bank where the wicked gate is. And what is the wicked gate? That's the narrow way. That's Matthew chapter 7, 13. Enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. That is the vast majority of people in this world. They're just barreling down the wide way. But we're told in verse 14, the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few who find it. And so he's going toward the gate that leads to life. He's going toward the gate that few go after. Who is the gate or who is the door? Jesus is. We saw in John 10. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the gate, Jesus said. I'm the door. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. If you enter through Jesus, you will be what? Saved. And that's where he's going. He's going toward Jesus. And you will go in and out and find pasture. And the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus said, that they may have life and have it what? Abundantly. That is the way of Jesus. Christian is alone in the world. He's struggling in this life. We're told that he's weighed down. The burden is upon his back. And so it's heavy. It's causing him to sink with guilt and shame. And it's heavier by the day, this burden. And we saw before that David understands the burden of sin. David was a believer. But the application of sin and understanding its burden is the same. Psalm 38, verse 4 through 8. Let me read it to you. Psalm 38, verse 4 through 8. David had sinned. What were his sins? Adultery. What else? Murder. And I just read the story just recently again. Do you realize that when he had Uriah killed, Joab, his general, also had other men with Uriah that were killed because they approached the wall of the city. 
So it wasn't just Uriah's life that was lost. Other men's lives were lost because of David's sin. My iniquities, Psalm 38, have gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they weigh too much for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my folly. I am bent over, greatly bowed down. I go mourning all day long, for my loins are filled with burning. There's no soundness in my flesh. I'm benumbed and badly crushed. I groan because of the agitation of my heart. Is sin ever worth it? No. No. Sin is never worth the price. It's never worth it. The guilt, the shame, the burden, praise God, Jesus can take it away. And that's where Christian is. He's going toward the gate. But he needs help. And help is there. Which brings us to our second point. Praise God for help. People are desperate for help. Praise God for help. He says, I beheld in my dream that a man came to him whose name was help. And then he is offered help. So Christian isn't a Christian. Christian needs help becoming a Christian. Listen carefully. There's people all around us that need help to become a Christian. There's people everywhere around us in the slough of their own despond. We need to help them to heaven. They, they are stuck in their sin. They're alone in their sin. They're struggling in their sin. They're abandoned in this world by the people of this world. And you and I need to have our eyes open and we need to have our ears open and we need to be sensitive to the people we work with and see the struggles they're going through. We need to be sensitive to our neighbors and the struggles they're going through. We need to be sensitive to complete strangers and the struggles they're going through. Help is on the scene. Let's be somebody's help. Let's be the person that helps somebody and directs them the way they should go. And just consider the focus of the Lord and his life and his calling upon our lives. I want you to get this. At the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, when he's talking to Peter and Andrew, he uses these words in Matthew 4, 19. Follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Do you know what Jesus said? Go fishing in the sloughs of despond. Start start fishing in the sloughs of despond and start pulling people up out of the slough of despond and start telling them about Jesus, the friend of sinners. That's what you and I need to start doing. So that's at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. I'm going to make you fishers of men. In the middle of Jesus's ministry, when he's talking to Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, 10. He says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. And so in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, you need to be a fisher of men. In the middle of Jesus' ministry, let's seek and and save. Let's see who has fallen into the slough of the spawn. Let's, Let's be sensitive. Let's think about people and where they are and rescue them. And then at the end of Jesus' ministry, the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go therefore and make what? Disciples. And not only that, also in Acts chapter 1, 8, you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, remotest part of the earth. And so he goes from, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to seek and save that which was lost. I want you making disciples. I want you being my witnesses. Jesus's ministry never changed. Your ministry on this planet, as long as he keeps you here, is not to change. 
We are to be fishing for men. We are to be seeking and saving the lost. We are to be making disciples. And we are to be witnessing. And that's for you and I individually, as well as our church. That's what God calls us to do. Christian needs help becoming a Christian. So what does help do, this man? Why did you not look for the steps? What steps is he talking about? Steps are important. How many have ever been to Matheson or Mathiasen State Park? Okay. If you go down into one of the deep ravines or the dells where all the water is, there's these round concrete steps that go all the way along. And you can't get to the other side without them. I want you to understand in the, in the context of this book, most people believe the steps are the word of God, the commands of God, the promises of God. Because God's word is life. God's word gives us the steps of life. John 8, 32. If you continue in my word, Jesus said, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. But you must continue in my word, he said. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or word of Christ. And so the word brings life and Jesus is the living word. And we need to show people the steps of life. Let me give you the steps of life. It's called the Romans road. Some of you have heard the Romans road. Jot these verses down. Here's what you can share with anybody to show them the steps of life to take on the Romans road. Romans 3.10. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. How many are righteous? None. None. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us is a sinner in need of of God's grace. So Romans 3.10, first step. Romans 3.23, second step. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. There is a consequence. Not just physical death, but also eternal death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Fourth step, Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Christ died. That, what great words to share with somebody. Romans 3, 10. Romans 3, 23. Romans 6, 23. Romans 5, 8. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Here's the next step. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be what? You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That's what we want to see. We want to see people saved. And here's the next step. Romans ten thirteen. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Including the thief on the cross who didn't have time to join a church, who didn't have time to get baptized, who didn't have any good works. All he did was believe. Friends, I want you to understand, don't you ever give up on anybody. Don't you ever give up on anybody. They can come to faith on their deathbed in a hospital. Don't you ever give up on anybody. God gave us that illustration of the thief on the cross for that reason, I believe. 
to let us understand that anybody at any time can call on him. And that is the amazing grace of our God because none of us deserves heaven. Not a one of us. And he will save somebody on their deathbed in his grace. That's amazing. So Christian needs help becoming a Christian. Point people to the steps. And he says something very interesting here. Christian does. Fear followed me so hard that I fled the next way and fell in. Fear is a problem. Fear is a problem in the life of unbelievers. Fear is a problem in my life. And fear is a problem in your life. And fear will cause us to fall. Faith will cause us to stand. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. I love this. Because it ties in with the steps of the word of God. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? And so the word of God strengthens us in our times of fear. The word of God causes us to trust in him and have a greater faith. Please be in the word of God. Please read the word of God every single solitary day. Every day devour his word. Every day. And your faith will grow and your fears will diminish. And this man offers a hand, he pulls him up, and he sends him on his way. And that's exactly what you and I need to do. And that's exactly what people did for me when I came to faith. They pulled me up. They showed me the word of God. They pointed me to the gate. And that's what you need to do, and that's what I need to do, because there's people sinking everywhere. I want to just end with one more verse, or one more passage. Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3. Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. And he brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. The slough would despond. When help comes, people are desperate for help. Praise God for help and let's be somebody's help. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for those who are help to us. And Lord, we pray that you would make us help to others. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen.